Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 59 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding this podcast. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. Welcome back to all our regular listeners, and a special welcome if this is your first show. My guest this week is Lauren Hoyle, and she'll be talking about her Staffy Cross Lucky Dog. But first, in some doggy news, in the uh, US, in Cincinnati, a dog by the name of Gertie went missing from her owner's home who thought she ran into the local woods. Um, She made some posters, asked around, obviously went looking for a while. Five days later, a neighbour heard some dog noises coming from very close to their house. In fact, the noises were coming from within their garage. Um, On investigation, Gertie had somehow got down uh, into a crevice between the garage and the yard uh, and there was no other, no obvious way of getting her out. So the local fire brigade was called in and proceeded to put a hole into the concrete block garage and after about 10 minutes work, a tired and hungry Gertie was reunited with her owner. And we moved to South Korea where animal rights activists and dog lovers everywhere will be rejoicing a little bit because the uh, Tapyong, the largest dog meat slaughterhouse in South Korea, has finally been closed up by authorities. The uh, city authorities say they are going to now turn that whole area into a neighbourhood park where dogs will be welcome to enjoy uh, the freedom of some public space there. And now for this week's interview. Also, just a quick apology. I had a few issues with the audio quality in this one, but nevertheless, here it is. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I'm here with Lauren Hoyle. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. How is everything going this evening? Everything's going very well. We're all nice and relaxed. Everyone's sorted, dog sorted. I'm here to chill. (laughs) And for those people listening, Lauren is in Sydney, so we've got a few little restrictions happening at the moment. (laughs) A lot of restrictions, that's okay, we're getting through it, getting through it. So, on to something a lot more pleasant, and that's the subject of dogs. So, who are we going to talk about with tonight for? Lucky dog. Lucky dog. anyone knows me. Yeah, I think, well, lucky dog. I think everyone knows me, anyone that knows me knows of my lucky dog. Whoever she met, she sort of um, left a little paw print on everyone's heart. She was a bit of a special dog. I know a lot of people say that about their dogs, but she was she was a very special little dog. So, yeah. Looking forward to it. So, yeah. As- um, I wasn't. I wasn't really looking for a dog at the time. I had two terrier types mixed dogs and I had a Rottweiler cross and at that time I was doing, um, that was sort of like my behaviour team, um, I was doing behaviour training, obedience training here on the northern beaches and I had Mika, Toby and Daisy. I wasn't really looking for other dogs but they were getting a little bit long in the tooth, getting a little older um, and it was very early in the morning on the 1st of July 2012, I forget that date. My eldest daughter was going out past, she was out past Catherine Field, which is way out, I don't know, I don't know the top of the map. She was looking at horses, but she found this puppy going through 
um, rubbish in a dumpster. She was emaciated. Not in a very good way. So she rang me and said, oh, I'm a puppy. Can I bring it home? It's like, bring it home. We'll feed it up <laughs> her, train her, and we'll move her right along. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, she she was sort of stacked. She was a bit of a licorice all sorts. Um, I think she was about four and a half, five months old when she came to us. She was extremely underweight, just judging by, you know, ribs, bone, spine, everything t- sticking out. But judging by her teeth, she was about four and a half, five months old. Um, she seemed to fit in with the group. And just as time went by, she ended up staying a bit longer and longer and longer and just ended up staying. <laughs> um, so... I developed her. She didn't. She seemed to be a nice little dog. She was very soft, very clever, but a very soft-natured little dog. Um, so when I say little, she was only about twenty-four kilos or so. Um, so I sort of, you know, you go on, you do the training, you do the exposure, you sort of take her out. And I'd never had uh, this happen to me before when I would take all my other dogs out when they'd be on lead or off lead. I'd never been charged at my other dogs. I think we just, Lucky and I just used to walk around with loser on our foreheads because she was the only dog where I had to endure, it was about six or seven off lead dogs rushing us. Wow. And the last two that we had kind of finished her off. They they broke her a little bit. Um uh, and it took, she was probably, that was in a secondary fear phase, we were 12, 13 months old when the last two happened. Um, and then she became quite a, quite a, a, a little dog that had true intensity when she would go forward. She was a silent assassin. So then I was left with the conundrum of whether I keep her, should a trainer like me have a dog like this? And I did actually think of um, rehoming her. But then I actually thought that if I can't fix my dog, what sort of trainer am I? Mm-hmm. So it probably took over 12 to 18 months and it took a village. There was people like Glenn Cook, Pat Stewart, Andrew Clark, um, you know, a lot of tears, <laughs> Birdie. <laughs> um, Certainly just, a great team. Oh, the best. But just to kind of bring her around, and I think that the people that knew her when she was, people knew her sort of on the other side of it, you would never, you would never know. I did a lot of mistakes with her, but she was the dog that truly, I think she, I think I was probably a little bit arrogant in the beginning when I had just the Rottweiler cross and the two terrier types because they were push button perfect. So if I came across somebody with a, with a difficult dog, I, uh, very um, embarrassed to say that I think I was of the mindset that it was them, not the dog. Mm. Um, now I know and I can really um, understand and I can very much, I know what they're going through when you do have a difficult dog or the, you know, that the, um, how hard it is to manage and how hard it is to bring them along. Um, but she was incredible. She was extremely intelligent. She, I got her to the point where oh, she still wanted to chow down on dogs for dinner if I'd let her, but she was so beautifully trained, um, verbally responsive. If I asked her to do something, she would stick to it to the last dot of iron cross T. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could use her. She was an amazing dog. She was like my, my right hand. You know, I could have her in behavioural consultations. She was so relaxed and she didn't care, and she and I made a great team. I could read her beautifully when she knew the other dog was done. We finished the session. Um, so she did bring a lot of dogs along. She had a few dogs that she was good mates with, but uh, in general, she was just she was not a party girl. <laughs> so I did learn a lot. I learned a lot from her. I, I, she was the one that really changed the way that I thought about training. She was the one that changed the way I approached it. Um, and she was the one I think gave me empathy you know, for, for difficult dogs and trying to understand them more. Um, and sort of, yeah, she was one in a million. She, she was the brightest light and it dimmed far too early. She didn't make it to the birthday. Always. She, yeah, I think being emaciated, she 
blew out both um, cruciates. Um, and then her frame was just not very strong. She was on great food, fed her raw. Um, she would, I could, she had, she was beautiful and lean, very um, sort of sculpted at the front end, but a little bit trim and I couldn't really build up the back end. So I think things were going on there. She was very stoic, but um, she had to, she had to leave me just before her fifth birthday, unfortunately. Mm. There you go. Yeah, it's hard. I just want to go back to the initial introduction into the household and, and how she fitted into the existing pack. Oh, she was only, well, she was tiny. She was only about four kilos when I got her. Um, came in, just, she's very, very timid. But the three dogs that I had were extremely good with other dogs. So the two female dogs mothered her, and Toby just, Toby was a, he's a wire haired Jack Russell. He was just a true gentleman. He'd meet and greet. He just kind of looked after her. So, just got to the point where you just find a, you know, for the two small ones, you'd see a three dog pile up in the bed, all that sort of thing. She'd turn around, she'd go snuggle with the Rottweiler. So, there was no dramas at all introducing her, Toby, Daisy, and Mika. She just became part of the, part mm-hmm. of the group. And, and I was what doing, was the, the home environment like? Were they just all in, in the house, free ranging or? All my dogs are indoor dogs. All my dogs are indoor dogs. So they're inside, free ranging. Um, they go out to the go out to the backyard if they want to. Generally, the doors open sort of throughout the day, so they can come and go. All my dogs are indoor dogs. Um, I, on the odd occasion, I did board and trains, and Lucky was really good with that sort of thing. She'd pick and choose her dogs. Um, they would be crated. The board and trains would be crated um, in the house. I never really had any. I haven't. I've been lucky that I've all the dogs. I'm down to one dog now. That's my German Shepherd Kubo. See him running around in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I haven't had any in-house fighting or anything with my dogs. I've been very lucky that way. But um, yeah, she was she was a nutter. The morning routine. She would get up and she would do her being a staffy mix. She would get up. And she would have her morning zoomies up down the hallway. They're not supposed <laughs> to run in the house, but because it was so cute, I kind of allowed it. It was all right. <laughs> but, yeah, she got along extremely well with all my other dogs. She was a very, very good dog that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there sort of like a particular one that the, she had a, a closer bond with or? I don't think she had a closer bond with with any one dog. I think she saw them all because they were all quite an integral part of her when she came here. I think that she they all gave her a little bit of something. Towards the end when my Roddy Cross started to get a little bit more frail, Lucky did think that she could um, step up and try and challenge Top Dog Spot because Mika really was, she was um, a calm, confident, very fair dog. She was a beautiful, soft alpha. Um I think Lucky Dog tried to step up and <laughs> kind of challenge that. <laughs> she mm-hmm. was not a good alpha. Um, so that was probably the only kink in the road, but she she kind of – she didn't have any um, – her morning zoomies, Toby would always join in. Um, but then, you know, you turn around and then she'd be snuggling up with Daisy. Daisy would be sort of like – you know, she'd be using Daisy as a pillow or she'd just sort of be spooning with – with Mika, so there was no real favoritism with her. Um, but yeah, she was just terrific. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you mentioned sleeping. What were the, the sleeping arrangements? Well, Lucky Dog always had a crate. The other three were allowed to be sort of out in the house. Um, but Lucky Dog always had a crate, particularly as me, my Mika got a little older. And it just didn't quite. 100% trust Lucky if I wasn't there. I didn't want to um, set her up to fail at all. So she had a crate that was uh, in the family room and the other three dogs just would sleep on their beds sort of around the place. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't, they were out there, they were there do what they wanted. But yeah, Lucky Dog was always crated when I wasn't there just, just to make sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, just, just I'm not sure what it was, particularly as Mika got a little older. She 
she would sometimes challenge and I just didn't want that to be the case if I wasn't there. I didn't want to be careful in that um, situation. So, yeah. It was, cool. Everyone was crated. I'm a big crate, a crate trainer anyway. Kubo runs around. He's not the crate house. He's so big. <laughs> the crate take up most of the house. But, but to begin with, any new dog that comes into my house is crated for quite some time until they learn about trust and the boundaries and so on. Nice. Mm. So what about the size of your backyard? I'm lucky enough to have quite a nice big backyard so the dogs go out there. I do quite a little bit of training out there, run around, we play with balls and stuff outside. So, But again, the dogs are not really out there. I like to go, we've got a nice back porch area with a you know, pergola over the top. A nice couch out there is quite often. That's where you'll find me in the morning having my, you know, tankard of coffee to get going. <laughs> and all the dogs have sort of been out there um, sort of sharing that space with me sort of over time. Um, but, yeah, the, the backyard is sort of where we do a little bit of training. We'll play a bit of ball or just kind of hang out, do some stuff. So, yeah, mm-hmm. nice big backyard. I'm lucky. I think I'm, <laughs> backyards are becoming a thing of the past, particularly in Sydney. <laughs> there you go. It's true. <laughs> That's going. going out for walks and things in other areas, how did that go when she was young? Um, well, as I said, I, whenever I would go out, and look, that actually affected my mind too, is we would go out, as I said, with, with Toby, Daisy and Mika, never had one dog rush us. I've got Kubo, no dogs rush us. It was, I don't know whether she um, – I don't know whether she projected anything. I don't know. I would I would always go out. We would just – I'd have two or three-metre lead that I would sort of give her a bit of freedom on. But um, whenever – I never really had her off lead because she wasn't – although her recall was good, if another dog came to approach her and would start something, she wouldn't stop. So whenever I went out with her – that was back in the day where there was a lot of um, workshops and all of that sort of thing dual too so I would take her along to that so a lot of people met her there um, but I would sort of go out and I would always have a lead dragging so I could just grab it and keep her mm-hmm. um, keep her safe um, but I was always very mindful of managing her I don't I'm not a big one for off lead dog parks at all I don't like them um, but if we went away, there was a couple of times we'd go away for farm stays and stuff like that. And you just you just had a lead dragging on her ten metre long line. She would have freedom then. Um, so yeah, so she got a lot of exercise. We would sort of be out and about every day. I sort of like take the dogs out every day. Um, but she was probably the only dog that I've really had to sort of manage when we go out, not just for um, keeping her safe, keeping any other dogs. They just mentioned going on a on a farm stay. How was her interaction with with some other species? Just fine. She's absolutely fine. Thought the cows were pretty groovy. <laughs> <laughs> I bored the chickens a little bit, but you know, it's like okay. But no, my, we've done a lot of that with with. I do a lot of that with my dogs, and they're just sort of taught they're not allowed to kill wildlife or do anything like that. And um, I sort of train them out. Of that we've got water dragons in the backyard because there's creek behind us, all that sort of thing. So, you know, we just um, do a lot of training that way. And she she didn't mind it, she was actually really good. As I said, that dog had the most superb verbal, um, verbal compliance. She had to because if you asked her to do something, she needed to do it in order to keep herself safe and keep other dogs safe and other things safe. So Nice. Cool. So you just <laughs> mentioned you had a, a creek in the backyard. So how? Yeah, we live. We've got a reserve just behind our our place. Um, we've been. I've been living in, in where I'm living. Been here for about twenty five years now. Um, so I can just whip out the back. And, uh, it's it's a lovely green area. I can just if I'm running a bit short of time, I go out there. It's got. Um, yeah, I can just do some fun training with Kubo. I've done it all with all of my dogs, actually. Go out there, throw the ball around, and just sort of chill out and do some fun training. If anybody else sort of comes down or their dogs, I just put mine in a drop and they go into middle and there's no dramas at all. 
Nice. I do live in a nice spot. Very lucky. That That was lucky with the water. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And the dirtier, better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she'd always like to go out in the rain and, and, you know, thunderstorms, all that sort of thing. You get out and go and play in the rain. But Lucky Dog really loved it. And she really loved to go. I'd just put my gum boots on and we'd just go off for a walk and any puddle she'd go running in, all that sort of thing. We can't go in there anymore because it's, um, it's a dog-free zone now, but there was a place that I used to go up to near the swimming pool, uh, the Warringah Aquatic Centre. There's a softball oval there and it was all fenced in and that's where I could actually let her run. I'd have a 10-metre long line dragging and she could just run, jump in the puddles and chase a ball and do a little bit of fun training there, but yeah, she just the dirtier the better. She <laughs> loved it. Nice. A little bit of, her... her um, Coat was so short, though, it did take long to dry and the dirt would just drop off, which is good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Find uh, some interesting scents and things to roll in that make sense to doggies to do, but when people sort of think, whoa, that's a bit sort of like hard on the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she found it, she'd roll in it. It's just like, oh, God, get out of it. <laughs> and she'd come up, she'd be so happy at all the side of her head. <laughs> she'd just think, you look at this perfume, I'm gonna be like, mm, okay. Yeah. And she was but she was pretty good, you know, she was she was lovely. Mm-hmm. So and just the dirty water. Make any trips to the, the beach as well or not with her. No. No. Um no, I didn't we, we I needed to go remote. It's but sort of back then too, I didn't I did because I was worried and also her breed, I was worried about um, keeping her safe and not setting her up to fail in any way. So you go to these places and you just can't if, – if the other person can't control their dog, well, then I've got a dog fight on my hands. Mm-hmm. So um, with all the other dogs I've had, I can control my dogs, I can keep them with me, and I can just manage to get the other people away. But with a lucky dog, it's always in the back of my mind that um, she'd be tolerant to a level, but then she'd snap and she would have – it, you know, and I just, I just didn't want to risk it. My other dogs would go off, go off to the bush, we off to the beach, all that sort of thing. But uh, with Lucky Dog, whenever we went out, it was one of those things where I just had to be very careful, very planning. And look, I'd go out. I wasn't that nervous, you know. I'd go out with Birdie. You know, Lucky Dog and Luna would be going walking, and they'd have a quick, you know, they'd be out the front, you know, in front of us on their leads and everything. And they'd be very happy and happily walking together. My neighbours have actually their dog, Lucky Dog, was a very good friend of as well. So we'd actually have her into the backyard play. So she wasn't missing out. She'd get a lot of freedom. But I just couldn't have her off lead in areas that I wasn't able to 100% control because I wasn't sure of the other dogs. So Understandable. Yeah. So when you did go out with the trips in, in the car, did where was her spot in the car? Loved it. She would be in a crate in the boot, you know, mm-hmm. and she would be sitting up. She'd be having a little – she used to love the car. She would love it. And I'd have her in the crate and she would be, you know, if we went to workshops and things, she would be sitting there and she'd just love it. She absolutely loved it. So, yeah. So, always – all my dogs are crated in cars. I don't have them sort of free, free roaming. So, mm-hmm. and nice they love and safe. it. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, and they and look, they're all the two little ones used to be in a in a crate on the back seat, secured. But all my dogs have been in crates in the car. You just hear those horror stories where people, you know, sort of have their dogs just sitting around and they're not they go flying through the car if they get a rear end collision or something. So um, yeah, crate in the back, nice and safe. Mm. Yeah. So when she was younger, what? Do you think her favourite sort of like games and things like that were? Like all the way. Tug of war. She loved it. <laughs> Couldn't get enough of it. She was the tug of war queen. It was her toy. Get her a tug toy and she would just, you know, you'd just say ready, eyes would roll back in her head and she would be ready to go. She would love it. So tug, tug all the way. She liked ball, but tug all the way. Tug. Fantastic. Did she play with the other dogs? Tug? Yeah, yeah, she would. She was awesome because she would, 
management sheep um, was a dog that I used to actually help um, children if they had dog phobia. So she would actually lower and raise her level of strength when she would play with children. So she was, you can't really teach a dog that, but um, she was incredible. So, you know, you get kids running around with the, with the tug and I always, always um, um, supervising. Even even my dogs who I trust 100%, you can't really trust them 100%, but always supervising. Children would want to play with her and if they were tiny, tiny little toddlers, she'd actually lie down and just kind of move her head a little bit. And if they were a bit bigger, she'd sort of stand up and she'd let them win and, oh, she would be incredible. One child just got, you know, just she, she just sort of seemed to have this, um, just this, um, she just knew what to do. I didn't. I, I didn't teach her. She knew the word gentle. I'd say gentle, but she just knew what to do. She was quite a phenomenal dog that way. None of my other dogs have done that. So That's beautiful. Quite, incred- quite incredible when she was with children. Yeah. 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 I think, like, I suppose, like people, there are a lot of dogs that have just got that that intuition on a whole different level. You can't teach it. They've they've either got it or they haven't. And she certainly had it. She was she was incredible. Very special little dog. Yeah. So no photos. Tug was a favourite game. Um, were there many toys that, that she went through that survived? <laughs> uh, look, I'm a dog trainer, so I kind of she would have her toys sprinkled around, but the toys never got left out. <laughs> a bit nasty pasty that way. So all my dogs, if we find the toy that they absolutely love, they get put away and that's what we use to create an event. Mm-hmm. So so she knew so there'd be but I've got toys in the back of the car, I've got toys sort of, you know, tucked away outside that they can't get to, I've got toys everywhere. But the toys that are special, they're the ones that come out when we when we go do something fabulous. stages did she sort of like tug or grab things that she didn't when she was first sort of brought into the house first few months uh, she was very quiet when she first came into the house I think she was a bit shell-shocked it's very hard I don't know you know whether she was the runt of the litter and dumped or or she had some pretty, pretty serious scarring on her little body um, so I don't know whether she was a street kid or 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 what um, but she took a little while to come out of her shell. She was fairly quiet. Uh, then when she did start to, her little personality did start to come out. Um, she did, you know, if it wasn't Tug, we would have found something else that she liked. So, um, but yeah, I just kept working on different things. Just start off with a really soft, something really soft. I think it was like a teddy that we just sort of, um, started off and then she sort of put her mouth on it. She got high praise and she's so clever. It didn't take her long. She's like, ah, here we go. <laughs> so, and I think Toby and Daisy, my um, mini foxy cross and um, my whitehead Jack Russell cross, they used to play tug a lot together as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is something you said for dogs learning through mimicry. She would watch them. My Mika, my Roddy cross, she used to like balls. She was not a tugger. She would always like balls. So, yeah, lucky dog tried running after balls and sort of doing all that sort of thing. She's like, nah, okay. But then Tug, she, when she when she found the joy of it, well, she took it very seriously. She loved it. So, yeah, 
she's there. She's probably the one that is most most into to the tongue. She, oh, she really enjoyed it. Mm. It was great. I love game play with dogs. It's just it's fantastic. So she was fun to play with. What about um, any sort of like health issues that she's that you sort of no, touched wise, on a couple. Health-wise, she was okay, but her frame let her down. She was, um, as I said, I kept my dog lean. She was very, she was very strong, very fit. Um, but the first leg went. She had to go and have uh, an operation on that, and the supporting leg bowed out, became a bit, um, it was weakened. So she sort of like you know, as it was all sort of. Um, the leg that was operated on sort of not really healing, you know, it while it was healing, the supporting leg kept bowing out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was okay. So within 11 months, the second leg went. Um, so it just got to the point that um, they were both really bowed and she became very, very aggressive. I had to start muzzling her because um, I think the pain, Got to got to the point where she just couldn't. Um, she just kind of could see it in her eyes. She wasn't there anymore. So um, I had to let her go. You could sort of, it wasn't lucky dog anymore. She wasn't. She wasn't. She's miserable. Mm. So you know, the second operation um, on the second leg. I don't. I don't. No, what happened? She was okay. It seemed to be recovering. Now I, I'm very strict. If a vet tells me to, you know, six eight weeks crate rest. That's exactly what she got. She come out. She had five minutes wee time, a little bit of sniff, straight back in the crate. She wasn't allowed any freedom. But I, it just wasn't meant to be. I did. Um, she had. I had this wonderful guy that does. Um, needles acupuncture mm-hmm. and he does um, you know uh, uh, massage and all that sort of thing he came out and um, he worked on her quite a bit so you know but every time you'd sort of pat her if you've got sort of like her shoulders and then sort of head down towards her tail she'd sort of flinch um, so I don't know whether there was anything spinal or whatever we couldn't find anything they checked her spine. We didn't take any x-rays or anything. But I always knew in the back of my mind when I saw her, she was so emaciated. I always wondered whether her frame would give out um, and would just sort of break down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that was it. So that's, she didn't make it to her fifth birthday, mm. which kind of stings a little bit. All my dogs have died of old age. They've gone and had to let them go at a good old, good old age. But. When you lose one so young, it um, does hurt a little bit more, I think. Absolutely. I think also you touched on one of the underlying sort of reasons that people don't think about, and that's dog reactivity due to them being in some sort of pain that people just aren't aware of. No, no. Um, I knew it. You could. She was even different at home. Um, she never attacked my dogs, Toby or Daisy. She, well, Mika had left me by the stage of the Rottweiler. Um, she never went for Toby or Daisy or anything like that. She she was she, she was just miserable. If I would take her out, try and take her out for walking, where she would just exert no pressure, just let her sniff. We saw my neighbour next door with Luna, um, and we've been out walking with those guys before. Lucky he just wanted to tear a little from them. That's when I knew. She, I'd had her, I'd had her muzzle on, and I could. I sort of, I was thinking about it because whenever she saw other dogs, I thought, "Oh, this is becoming pretty serious." But then when she saw Luna, it was like she was acting like she never, she didn't know. So it was born of pain. So I made the decision. It's an easy one, but it's the best thing for her. You can't, you can't put your own emotions in. Things you have to you have to look out for what's best for the dog. So, yeah. Did she have any peculiar or weird habits? Would you say? Oh, 
thing was weird. <laughs> she was a nasty little bitch. <laughs> she no, she was um, she was she was larger than life in character. Even her ears, her ears had their own agenda. Um, but she was she just she was pure joy. She everything she did she did with a hundred percent. She was all in, you know. She wasn't. Yeah, I don't know, peculiar little perps. Everything she did was weird. <laughs> she was just, she was she was game for everything. And she was when she was in her when she was in her calm state of mind, when she was happy before she actually went downhill, um, she was up for anything. She was unreal. You know, she was happy to be around, she was happy to work, she was um yeah, she was in she was an incredible little dog. You know, and then when she was when it was quiet time when we weren't working, she was making her own fun, so like cracking the zoomies and you know squeaking, have a couple of little squeaky toys around the place. She would say, "Go, shut up!" You know? <laughs> but she would just be, she would just be, she was very happy go lucky, very happy go lucky. So she was, she really was larger than life. She was a very big personality, and I've got to say that a lot of people that met her, um, a lot of people liked her. Mm-hmm. I really did. So she was good. I was very lucky for that dog to come into my life. So she was with me for a short time, but boy, oh boy, she taught me a lot. Crammed so a lot in. Something that I, she, oh boy, did she cram a lot in. And it's something that I'll be very, you know, something that I'll be very grateful for. And because she did teach me so much, all my dogs have taught me so much, I've now got this beautiful Monsimbi German Shepherd that all the training I've learned from those dogs, put into him, and he's not a bad little sort now. <laughs> so, so they do. I think, you know, she she's taught me to be a bit more humble with and not judge. She's um, really taught me just to kind of sit back, consider, and, and read the dog and watch the dog when you sort of train with dogs like this. Just really read them. Don't, don't take things too quickly, go forward, go slowly, step by step, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's, it's she has really taught me a lot. You can't really put it into words, can you? It's hard <laughs> to. can be difficult. Sort of words. I, yeah. I was just going to ask, at what stage when she was younger and you were training her, did, she, did you think then that she was going to become like more of your, your demo dog? question um i think when i came out the other side of her true reactivity after that second after that second um charge that we got that was that was one of the worst the last two that we had um were sort of fairly close together um but the last one actually broke her i was sort of walking her and a young child had a snappy blend and that dog broke away from him ran across the road nearly got hit and it was coming a lucky dog. Was if it wasn't for the guy behind me, I didn't sight. There was nowhere for me to go. Um, but some a guy had obviously come out to his front yard, and I didn't see him. He just sort of came. He must. He obviously saw the dog coming towards us. He reached around me, grabbed its collar, stopped it from doing damage to Lucky. And managed to get out of there. Um, and as I was working through Lucky's reactivity. Um, I, I just sort of started to see, of course, quite a while. It's a very dark time. But sort of as we came out the other end and I could see her starting to listen and I started trusting her a bit more in, in um, sessions and I could see her really liking it, um, that's when I started to do more and that's when I started thinking, oh, she's, she's pretty good at this, particularly when I started introducing children. Uh, you know, she, was, she seemed to love children. Um, I started introducing children to the work where they're a bit bit nervous. She would just she just had this way. So I just started building on it there. So probably she must have been about two, I think. She's about eleven she would have been about thirteen, fourteen months in that last attack. So it's around about the age of two, still mm-hmm. a bit, I think. So yeah, that's when I thought, oh, she's pretty good. She's pretty good. She's not going to be She's not obviously going to be a dog that you can and, – and, look, I didn't want a dog that I that needed to go out and party on and you know, off-lead dog parts and stuff like that. But if I had a dog that was able to stay on place, 
while I was working other dogs, and I could go near her and just kind of and not and she wouldn't react. She took her jobs very seriously. When I saw that she loved working, give her a job to do, she took it really seriously. That's when I thought, ooh, we've got something here. Mm. Be good. And I remember when I went to see Glenn Cook, one of the darkest times that I had with Lucky Dog. Um, I went to see him, and I suppose I just needed some um, just to be told that I was on the right track with her. Um, I'll never forget one of the things he actually said to me. So she's a lovely little dog, good little trainer, great little team. And I was like, oh, yes, okay. So I think, you know, in the session that I had with him, I'd done everything right. They brought out dogs that she wanted to have, you know, tailing from them. And my timing wasn't bad. Lucky performed beautifully. So that's sort of saying something. And it was sort of after that that I thought, right. And I think just to be told that what you've done is okay mm-hmm. gives you a little bit more confidence because certainly my confidence certainly had been shot to pieces. Um, and yeah, I, I just think having a supportive bunch of people behind me made it a little bit easier. So don't really understand what you go through until you get a dog like her, um, how the situation has to be managed, how um, and the work, the blood, sweat, tears goes into it. And, uh, yeah, had one. Don't want another one, but I had one. She taught me a lot. But I truly now understand what people feel, um, the emotions that they go through with a dog like that. And I certainly get a little bit more... Um, you know, sympathetic when I'm dealing with them because I understand, mm-hmm. my heart understand. So, yep. So, yeah, she was, she was a good dog. What was the major type of training that you did with her and the, the methods? I do a lot of, with her, with all dogs, but predominantly with her, it was about returning to home base, finding me being the most valuable thing in her life and providing the motivation for her to listen to what I had to say over and above. I had to compete with her. I had to compete with and try and surpass that desire for her to go and get the other dogs. That was what she really wanted to do quite some time. So I would go out, would work her on five metre long nights and we would play. We would just play tug. We would just play games. I did a lot of, um, that's how she got her food through uh, training, fun training. But um, the be-all and end-all in her life, um, sort of probably a notch under me, was the tug game. And that's what I used to provide a lot of um, reward for her. She made a good choice, we would play. Um, She made a bad choice, we would not play. She would go to a sit beside me and just hang out for, you know, a few seconds. I feel her quiet down, chill down, we would play. So she learned that there was a lot of reward she learned there was a lot of good in just making good choices and making those decisions. So a lot of it was around gameplay. Um, she wasn't that food motivated, so I had to find something and tug was it. So, yeah, yep, she loved it. So, so I had to carry a big, big tug toy everywhere <laughs> I went, but I didn't mind. <laughs> you know, you've got to do it. You know, you've you got to do it. You've got to do these things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They can come in handy for other things as well and you're out and about. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the the main thing, you know, a lot of conditioning, you know, desensitisation, counter-conditioning. And then as she got used to that, it it became, as as I loaded more onto her, I exposed her more, it was the gameplay. Okay. But again, always keeping her safe and always trying not to let her – be set up to fail. Mm-hmm. Were there ever any times when you were using her in a uh, an, an exhibition type sort of thing that made you feel that extra extra sort of like yes, you know? <laughs> um, I got told when we went to a workshop, a two day workshop at um, Jewel. Um, somebody said, well, that dog would make my dog react. And I thought, oh, you bring it on, dude. So I went and I brought her in. She's on way down. She didn't do a damn thing. So there you go. The other dog didn't react. 
Um, she was actually a demo dog for a couple of things like that, um, just because she was so calm. I could even drop the lead, walk away, and she'd be like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. So it made me really, really proud of her. You know, like I just wanted to burst. Tyler Muto came to Australia and uh, I got a, um, I booked a one-on-one session with him and he was very impressed with her, said she was a great little dog. And I was like, well, I'm going to give my dog back. He's busy playing with her. He's playing tug with her. And we did some good stuff. Um, so that made me feel you know, about 10 feet tall as well. So there's been there's been some times where people have actually worked a little bit with her and said, oh, yeah, she's, she's pretty good. So she, she's, there's too many, too many times to count. She's, you know, whatever she did. When we brought her around, you know, from sort of got her through her true um, aggression, she popped out the other side. Everything she did made me proud. She was just that sort of little dog because she didn't approach things half-assed. She just going full on. If she got it wrong, she'd be like, oh, let's try again. So and I think it was her, her attitude sort of to could she was irresistible. She just couldn't. Mm-hmm. couldn't. She was amazing. So yeah, it was, she just made me proud. I was just hanging out. She just made me proud. If you had to pick like a, a specialty or a segment of how she interacted with some of the other dogs when you went on consults, is that something that you could put into words? I think that she just had an intuition for when they'd had enough. She would come out, she was all business. She would come out, she knew exactly what to do. Um, And she would always work side on. She would never go front on for another fragile dog. Um, She just seemed, we were a partnership. She, She just seemed to know exactly what I needed of her, exactly what was required at the time. Um, and, yeah, that's that's predominantly how I used her. It was just always worked at a distance and we'd slowly close in and she would always look up to see what it is I was needed. If I needed to it would just be a word or two, if I had to give her verbal coaching. Um, but really she was the guide. She was the one that I actually looked at. She was the one that I made sure we didn't overwork the other dog. And if the other dog started getting fidgety, Lucky would turn in towards me and would just kind of stop. She would It was almost like she was, she'd take the pressure off the other dog. So as soon as she did that, I put her away and the other dog would settle down. So she just seemed to be very in tune with, with what I needed and with what the other dog needed. And that's what I watched. So she was the expert, not me, in those situations. So... I just kind of followed her. She made me look good. <laughs> incredible. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love yeah, it. I've got to work a little harder with all the other dogs I've got, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, Go a little bit off lucky dog there. So, yeah. No, but she did. She was the one that made me look good. I was, she, she knew what to do. I read her, and this is what people say, trust your dog. So I did. took a little while when she was carrying on like a hellhound for that 12 months. Uh, it took a little while for me to learn to trust her, but but as we worked, she. But the thing is, though, even though those um, dogs that rushed me weren't my fault, I was on the end of the lead, and it's not what she, you know, I couldn't protect her. So the trust had to be rebuilt, I think. And and when it was rebuilt, I think it got even more solid and uh, much more, so much stronger than what it was. I think that's why we were able to be such a good team. It certainly sounds it. Yeah, she was cool. Well, well worth it. Yeah, yeah. There won't be another lucky dog. Okay, <laughs> all the dogs I've had are amazing, but uh, there won't be another lucky dog. Not like that. I don't think I'd be lucky if, like, well, Kudo's pretty damn close to it. But um, I think you're blessed in life if you're a dog like that. So I did. Not complaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you had to pick one of the many, many, many fond memories, is what, what's one of the one of the first sort of ones that pop her into your head? Her morning zoomies. Her morning zoomies. The morning zoomies. Every morning, it was like, oh, we're starting the day. Here you go, Mum. Got your coffee. I am happy now. <laughs> and it would probably last five, ten minutes, but that was for me. That was worth getting up for. 
her morning zoomies. Everything else was glorious, her training, her work ethic, everything. But she was such a nut when she would run around with her morning zoomies. That was true happiness. <laughs> it was incredible. Plenty of video evidence of that too. So, yeah. Uh, very nice. Never forget it. <laughs> um, do you want to let people know of your like social links or how to get in contact with you for anything to that you do? Yeah, I work on the northern beaches in Sydney. Uh, the business name is Perfect Behaviour. Oh, hello, puppy. Yeah, Perfect I, Behaviour. I think that's um, a dinner signal. <laughs> a dinner bell. <laughs> um, perfect Behaviour. Or a uh, cat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, and I think it's perfect behaviour on Instagram too. So, yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah. Sure to put those links in. It has been a pleasure hearing all about Thank Lucky you. Dog. So, a nice journey, highs and lows, but yeah, mostly I, positive. I appreciate you having me on to reminisce because, yes, it really was a special time in my life. So, uh, very a special time for a very special dog. Yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you again. Take care. You too, Robert. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you did, why not tell a friend? Just like those listeners in Council Bluffs in the USA and in Paris, France. It's really appreciated. Thank you very much. Feel free to jump on to the Facebook group, The Relaxed Dog Podcast, and give me some feedback. Until next time, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.